going to be looking at both of those this morning. February 27th, 1991, was the height of Desert Storm. And Ruth Dillo received a message from the Pentagon. It said her son, Clayton Carpenter, private first class, had stepped on a mine in Kuwait and was killed. And Ruth Dillo later wrote that, I can't begin to describe my grief. She said it was almost too much to bear. For three days, I cried. For three days, I expressed anger and loss. For three days, people tried to comfort me to no avail. But she said three days after she received that message, a phone call came. And the voice on the other end said, Mom, it's me. I'm okay. Ruth Dillow said, I couldn't believe it at first. But then I heard his voice. It was my son. Her son was alive. She said the earlier message she had received was a mistake. And she had laughed and cried. She said she felt like turning cartwheels because the son that I thought was dead is now alive. Surprise, right? Ruth, your son that you thought had died is now alive. There was a two-year-old girl who could not wait for Easter to come. Her mom had taken her shopping. She had found the perfect dress, the best shoes to match it, the little purse, the whole outfit. But her dad sat there and he kind of wondered if she really knew what Easter meant. And so he said, no, Kara, do you know what Easter is all about? And she said, well, yeah, dad, I do. And he said, well, well, what do you What is it? And with a smile on her face, she put her arm straight out and she said, surprise. See, that's what Easter is about. I don't think there's much better word that we can use to describe Easter than surprise. I mean, clearly that was the reaction of his disciples and of everybody that heard he had resurrected was surprise. Listen to how Luke describes it. Luke 24, we're going to start with verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, and when they entered it, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Surprise, right? Christ, whom you thought had died and was in the tomb, has resurrected. And now the Apostle John tells a little bit different in this story. He focuses on Mary Magdalene and Christ's appearance to her. Mary had gone to the tomb. She saw the stone rolled away. She ran to Simon and Peter. They came and checked it out. And they saw he was gone. But they didn't know what to do. So they just went back home. There was no celebration, no cries of he's alive, no shouts of Hosanna. Uh, I mean, you would expect those who knew Christ would be celebrating that first Easter Sunday because he was delivered from the tomb, just like he had been telling them. Instead, they were just mystified. 
They didn't know what to do, so they just went home. But listen to Mary's response. John chapter 20. We're going to start with verse 11. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head, the other at the foot. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but did not realize it was Jesus. Woman, why are you crying? He said, who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbi, which means teacher. And Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am returning to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them all that she had seen and the things that happened to her. Surprise, right? Surprise, Mary. Surprise, Peter. Surprise, John. Surprise, Jesus is alive. You know, the story of Easter is not a carefully made up story about uh, Jesus. Something that people had tried to concoct in order to convince people that he had risen from the dead. I mean, the story of Easter is this honest reporting of these baffled believers. People that had no idea where Christ was really leading them until they appeared to them beyond the grave. Surprise! Easter is such an extraordinary day. It's no wonder that people gather in large numbers all over the world today to celebrate the resurrection. Because Jesus, who was dead, is now alive. Uh, Pastor Michael Slaughter traveled to Moscow with a group of church leaders back in April of 92, just as the Cold War was ending. And he said these Christian leaders were there to celebrate Russia's very first Easter after the fall of the Iron Curtain. And they said there was this large banner that said Christ is risen and it loomed over Red Square. Slaughter said he couldn't help but notice less than 25 yards away stood the tomb of Vladimir Lenin, the father of the Soviet Revolution. And it struck him as ironic that this banner that said Christ is risen overshadowed the tomb of the communist leader who once said God is dead. It also struck him that Lenin, while laying entombed in this granite marble mausoleum, his body sealed in a sarcophagus, and yet Christ's tomb is empty. You know, surprise, Lenin. Surprise, Stalin. Communism is dead, but Jesus is alive. Chuck Colson, in one of his books, tells about a man who strongly believed in the resurrection named Edward Bennett Williams. Williams was one of the great lawyers in Washington, a power broker in his time. He had a a who's who's list of clients. People like Joe McCarthy and Jimmy Hoffa and Frank Sinatra, a series of senators and high officials. And although Williams was quiet about it, he was a very religious man. He fought a long, hard battle with cancer at the end of his life. And when he realized that the cancer was winning... Uh, his son showed up with an article. And it said that he was the most powerful man, one of the most powerful men in Washington. The Washington Post, who Williams was actually legal counsel for, wrote this. 
But he waved the magazine away. And he looked at his son and he said, no, they don't realize what true power is. He said, I'm about to go see true power. He said, fighting death is selfish. It's time to let go and see what real power is. See, Williams died peacefully, as unshakable in his conviction that the resurrection is real as he had ever been in any case he had ever argued in court. Christ is alive. And the great thing for us is the apostles confirmed it. The apostle Paul, being one of them, confirmed this message. In in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul wrote this. What I received, I passed on to you of importance. Christ died for our sins, according to Scripture. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, and he appeared to Cephas and to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters, all at the same time, most of whom are still living. Then he appeared to James and to all apostles. Did you hear it? Paul said uh, there was a shared experience among the entire church, among the entire Christian community. The risen Christ had appeared to over 500 believers. I mean, all it would have taken to shake Paul's witness and his testimony was to have one of those 500 who had encountered the risen Christ to come forward and say, no, it didn't happen. Paul doesn't know what he's talking about. And yet not one of them did. Because in their minds, there was no doubt Christ was alive. Nothing in the ancient world refuted that testimony. The tomb was empty. The body was gone. And hundreds of lives were changed as Christ appeared to them after his resurrection. Nothing in the ancient world refutes it. And nothing in our world today refutes that either. You know, there are people around the world that want to have doubts that say, no, he didn't really raise from the dead. Uh, The critical mind just can't accept these things that can't be proven. At least that's what our world tells us, right? If I can't prove it, it didn't really happen. And yet we accept things that we can't prove all the time. Science does that. I mean, if I told you, for example, that there were scientists entertaining the idea that it's possible to take a strand of your DNA and uh, recreate or resurrect a living human being in a laboratory, would you agree that it's possible? Now, I'm not saying it's possible, but would you say that it is? Imagine if it were true. Imagine if you turned on the Internet tomorrow and Yahoo's homepage came up. The first student... The fourth story on the news said that. You'd probably look at it and go, wow, hon, scientists are telling us that, that they can resurrect people just using their DNA. And you just kind of pass it off. Because we've seen what science can do. We've seen the miracles that science has performed and curing different diseases and things that we could never imagine. But the extraordinary question to me is, How can we possibly believe scientists are capable of doing that? And yet our own rational, critical mind tells us God, the creator of the universe of heaven and earth, is not capable of doing that. It's absurd. We know that Christ is alive. We know that God is able. Paul tells us, the apostles confirm it. Christ is alive. Nothing refutes that. And deep within our souls, the Spirit of God testifies the same message. 
Robert E. Smith once told about hearing the Hallelujah Chorus sung by 500 trained voices. The Hallelujah Chorus, of course, is that triumphant part of the Handel's Messiah, where, where the group comes in and they're singing, you know, and he shall reign forever and ever. And Handel claimed that he had a vision and this chorus was set to music. Well, Smith wrote that for an instant he couldn't doubt Handel's vision. It's a magnificent expression of two thoughts. One, that Christ reigns. And second, that his reign is eternal. And in the middle of this big chorus, uh, there's a part that breaks out and, and the basses begin. And he shall reign forever and ever. And then the, the tenor voices join in. And he shall reign forever and ever. And then the alto voices join in. And he shall reign forever and ever. And then the sopranos join in, and he shall reign forever and ever. And then all the voices together are singing, and he shall reign forever and ever. King of kings, Lord of lords, hallelujah. And Bob Smith said he heard that singing, and he said, my soul was stirred. And he began to see this, this great vision of heaven and God sitting there on his throne. And he said the sound of of many angels were singing. And he said then the the prophets joined in with the angels singing, and he shall reign forever and ever. And he said then the apostles joined in with them singing, and he shall reign forever and ever. And then the voices of the martyrs sang in, and he shall reign forever and ever. And he said, and this great company began to sing, and he shall reign forever and ever. King of kings. Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. See, that's the music of Easter. That's the joyous surprise that Mary and that Peter and that John and that the 500 and so many others got to experience. There isn't Christ. And it's the song that rings in our hearts today. For he shall reign forever and ever. King of Kings. Lord of Lords, hallelujah. And so this morning, as we come to our invitation time, my question is, do you believe that message? Do you believe the message that Jesus Christ is alive? And maybe even more importantly is, what have you done with it? Have you just heard the message and thought, yeah, he's alive, great, and moved on with life? Or has it impacted you? Are you sharing that message? Are you letting others know how important it is to him? This morning, if you have a decision to make, if you need to surrender your life to Christ and begin there by saying, yes, you are King of Kings and Lord of Lords, I invite you to come.